Hey everybody, it's Chris and Rick Talk Guitars. Hi Chris, you're I Hi, see you in your shed with all your cool gear and your posters. You got some mood lighting going on too that I like. I really do. Kind of cool. Chris and I are always a day late and a dollar short, so we thought we'd talk about Eddie Van Halen like a few weeks after he died. Or was it last week? Or That was a while ago, right? A while ago. Last year? No, was it wasn't it? that long ago. It was okay. maybe three weeks, four weeks. Yeah. So, gosh, okay, maybe about a month ago. I should look that up while you go ahead. Keep talking. I'm going to look that up. All right, I'll keep talking. Um, yeah, Eddie Van Halen, man, RIP. Um, you know, he came along I, like everybody else, man. We, I was at a party and put and somebody put that damn record on, and it's like, shit, what is he doing? You know, and I couldn't figure it out. It was cool. I liked that whole first album, first one and second one. You know, I was a young, long-haired stoner rocker guitar player and so it just uh, slapped me in the face a couple times man when i first heard it did you ha- what was your what's the first one you heard dude when you were young you know i remember this very clearly it was probably in like 78 maybe early 79 i was in a grand rapids michigan and i went to a party and it was kind of a lame party it wasn't very big and it wasn't you know it just i just remember it being kind of lame and the only record they played that whole night was the first Van Halen record. And so I remember just being, you know, my jaw hitting the floor listening to those guitar parts because I had been playing guitar for a while. Yeah. But kind of burned that record out in one single night because they just played it over and over and over again. But then I got that. Then I got that record shortly after that. So, and that was my window into Van Halen, the first record. That's cool. I think that's the, uh, yeah, for me, that's, I think that's the best way to be introduced to that band because you and I both like those first two albums and then the rest are like pretty hit or miss, I think. But uh, those first two, I think, are solid in terms of just being good representations of that lineup of that band and just they're young and they're full of piss and vinegar. And I, I love those two albums, man. I, I like you too. I <laughs> I remember vividly uh, in high school, this friend of mine drove me to school you know, he had this little old brown Toyota Celica and he had a cassette of that first album. And I replayed Ain't Talking About Love so many times that he stopped taking me to school. <laughs> it's weird because I admittedly didn't, you know, I got that record and I played it maybe, you know, a dozen more or more times. And, you know, and then I kind of put it to the back of my record. I didn't really connect with the music of Van Halen until much, much later. I don't know what it was. I mean, because I'm a guitar player, I should have just been like, you know, I was blown away, but it just didn't really speak to me. I didn't really like the songs that much. Uh, I didn't, what I didn't like about them specifically was I didn't like the show tuniness of them, like the show tuny backing vocals and just, you know, the David Lee Roth like shtick. Yeah. I didn't really get, I wasn't ready. There's so many times when there's stuff out that I'm not, I'm not ready for. And until I am, you know, I just, I just, it, it goes over my head, right? It just, I missed the, the point. And I was very sensitive and still am to anything I perceive as like parlor tricks. Right. And, and, you know, like take, you really got me. Back then I thought, you know what? This song doesn't really rock that much more than the Kinks version. It just has more parlor tricks in it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so um, I really tried to connect with the record. I didn't until many, many years later. But even back then, I know I knew that an important thing about Eddie Van Halen and the band Van Halen was it gave a whole generation of young guitar players 
the opportunity to, to answer that question, I wonder what it was like for guitar players when they saw Hendrix. Yeah. Because it was like that generation's version of something mind blowing that was going on that came from nowhere and just kind of like stood guitar playing on its, you know, upside down. So yeah. that, that was never lost on me. I never ever, even though I wasn't a huge fan of the music then, I never like thought it wasn't something that was like incredible. It just didn't speak to me. I was more a different, a different type of rock thing was what I was all about back then. Until seriously, like probably in the 2000s when I started like revisiting my rock past and collecting records. And yeah. then you know, I got into Van Halen and I got it by then. I'm like, the things that I didn't like about that band, the show tuning you know, like David Lee Roth's off the hook, kind of like, geez, it was like, I loved about the band then. You know what I mean? I yeah. got it. I yeah. really got, you know, what, this, what the band was about all these years later. So, you know, I think it's great. And yeah, I focus kind of more on the first two records uh, and I love those and I'll always own those and always play them. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, that's funny. Well, I, I, yeah, I think that's the main thing. My takeaway too was it's like it was a watershed moment for guitar, like Hendrix or like any uh, player that comes along and and sounds so different or his, you know, like the tapping thing. I, I for the life of me, I couldn't figure that out. I'd never seen anybody tap, and he didn't invent that. But I think he integrated it into his playing in such a way that it was a pretty, it was cool. I think he, yeah, I think just the way he integrated into his style was, was pretty cool. And it was, it's, it, I, they got me right away. I mean, I, I was into it right away. Even the, the, the David Lee Roth stick, it just, the whole unit just like was this kind of, you know, fire breathing at you, you know, and it, it's, it resonated with me as a, like I said, as a long haired stoner, rocker, guitar player, you know, but I think it's funny. Well, so what were you, what were you into back then when it came out? And you were kind of like you you a you understood the watershed moment of the guitar, but b you're like yeah the whole other shtick isn't happening. Were, back then, were you into like were, were you into like Aerosmith, uh, all that shit, or, or were you into Mott the Hoople back then? What were you into? Yeah, I was I was always into Mott the Hoople and Aerosmith. Like very early on, and I kind of stuck with them all through that period. But I was kind of at that given moment in time, I was heavily into Thin Lizzy and um ufo oh, cool. and you know those were two that come to mind right now I, and i had a collection of stuff spanning back a few years so i had a, a bunch of other classic rock stuff but i just you know i would listen to them, the songs and i didn't really connect with them and it just to me to my young years it just seemed like it was just like shredding for shred's sake yeah and that was before i really got that you know that's that's what it is i mean it's like that's what makes this band unique is you know, that the way that he incorporates that, you know, kind of like over the top guitar and, you know, into the song. So I, I think I was just more straight ahead. And you talked about the tapping. I, know, I can't even call ever even trying to do that. It just was something that I thought was cool, like mind blowing. But it was something that I had no interest in even trying to figure out. Maybe I took like a stab at it. And I used to do that thing that I'm, I think I've heard you do too, where you bend a string and then you use your index finger up the neck <laughs> to point and do that. <laughs> that was about as close as I got to that. Yeah. That was more, I mean, my favorite, you know, shreddy guitar player back then was Michael Shanker. I've said this before. So, you know, and he's very, you know, structured, melodic, and, you know, there's not a lot of pig squeals and bends. He's, he's mind blowing, but Eddie Van Halen was a, an entirely different thing. And until I got the package, 
I, you know, had respect for the guitar player, but you know, it took me a while to get the entire package, which I think is pretty brilliant. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. I hear you on that. Well, in the negative aspect of it is it, it unleashed a whole generation of guitar players that went out and bought the, the super strat with the, the, with the Floyd Rose and had to, <laughs> you know, had to tap and do all this other bullshit, you know, that that's yeah. the, the negative side of that. That got old real fast. That whole thing where there was like these, you know, all those hair bands that have their like, you know, 53 seconds or whatever of, uh, of, you know, here's my solo. I'm going to stick it in this song. And I'm not even really listening to the song, but I worked out this solo that I want to interject into this thing. Cause it's my chance to shine. Exactly. And that stuff, that stuff drove me nuts too. Just, you know what? And it's, that was absolutely no fault of Edward Van Halen's. That was no. just, you know, a lot of people glommed onto it, but I didn't have, I had not. So did you find yourself like going, I want to figure this out. I want to learn how to do like, did you find yourself trying to learn that stuff? Like I did, but more, big squeals and all that other stuff. More just the, I just wanted to figure out what he was doing in terms of tapping, and and it wasn't so much that I wanted to incorporate it into my playing. More just, I was just curious, like what the fuck is he doing, you know? Because right. um, that's kind of what I like to do when I was younger too, is just put a record on it and try to dissect, like what is happening here, like what is he doing, and and I couldn't until you know. I was just, it was beyond me. And then this friend of mine showed me and he goes, Oh, here's what he's doing. I'm like, Oh, you know, because my, I had such a, uh, a literal uh, perception of guitar playing. You got the pick in your right hand and you're fingering chords in your left hand. That's what you do, right? You strum and you play. It, it never dawned on me that you would like tap, you know, with your right hand right. back then. So uh, until I actually saw it physically happening, I'm like, oh, okay, that that's what's going on. But no, it was just more of curiosity, you know, like how how is he doing that, you know? Yeah. The other thing that was kind of odd for me back then that I noticed was um, I was really into Montrose. And that I always thought that the Montrose record was like, it, well, let me put it this way. I, I have this thing that I've said over the years. It's like my favorite Van Halen record is the first Montrose record. And it's a joke. It's a total joke. But if you look at it, here we have this Ted Templeman produced record that is named, you know, the band is named after the hot lead guitarist that does like makes motorcycle noises and pig squeals and all this other stuff. It's right. like the parallels are pretty, you know, they're there. And I've never heard Eddie Van Halen mention Montrose as kind of an influence, but I always saw that as a big influence. I mean, compare, you know, Ronnie Montrose and Eddie Van Halen, there's going to be a, a lot more differences than there are similarities. Yeah. But that whole thing is just kind of just struck me as like, I just, it was like an aha moment for me. It's like, Hey, that's, you know, very Van Halen. And you know, the, the melody, that's one thing that I'm really hugely melody and hook oriented. Yeah. And I think Van Halen was very hooky. They have like, very, but I think it was the way that, you know, the pyrotechnics around the hooks, I found a little bit distracting and didn't allow me to absorb the hooks as fully as I w did with something else. If that yeah. makes sense. It does make sense. Um, but no, I mean, and you know, I, I've often found myself saying, well, I like, you know, I like Michael Schenker cause he was really melodic, but Eddie Van Halen, really melodic capable of like yeah capable of anything i mean he can play just about anything but i think he t tended to just to you know put more just more effects and things into in the context of a song than like michael shanker would would lay back so that's probably what speaks to 
that's probably why Schenker spoke to me more because I'm kind of more of a straight ahead and like, you know, person. I don't know. Yeah. And I totally hear that too. And I think I, I come down on that on Shanker's side too, for, for those reasons. Yeah. I think especially in, as, as time went on, I think Eddie was, he was just trying to fill space more and more. And it's like, dude, you don't need to fill that much space. You know, I, I understand what you're trying to do and I understand what you tried to do in the early days. Cause essentially musically it was a trio, right? It was a bass drum and guitars yeah. with a vocal. So he was trying to, you know, fill space, which is cool. You kind of, you know, that's something you kind of, think about when you're a trio but yeah i think a lot of times it was unnecessary and but but i think he, as terms of a, a melodic player he, he definitely was a melodic player i think and if you listen to a lot of cool stuff like the intro to women in love on the second album that uh harmonic tapping he's doing is actually a really cool intro to that song and it's very melodic and it's really cool so i think there were a lot of like if you listen to his records there are little flashes of like really brilliance i think in terms of melody and and what he's doing that Oops, i really take yeah. away and and just really appreciate you know yeah dance the night away hello yeah there's, there's more hooks than a, a bait shop in there. <laughs> yeah totally these songs now like especially that one uh, they're so evocative whenever i hear them right now i just you know i it takes me right back to that time i remember hearing dance the night away blasting over you know like PA at a dance at school or something like that. And it's just, yeah, that's that, yeah. just so evocative of a time. You know, one thing that's really, when you were saying that, I thought of something that I experienced maybe three years ago or so. My wife owns a, a gallery, um, a boutique gallery shop. And she has in her shop, she has a, a turntable with a huge shitload of like old LPs and sometimes I was in there after they closed and I was hanging out and I'm like, I want to put on a record. So I went and I found it's forming. It's the green one that has want some on it. And I Women put that on first. and I'm listening to it. What's that? Women so and children women. first, I think. Is that it? Okay. All right. So women and children first. And I put that on there and I listened to it both sides. And my thought was, you know, I don't, I don't like this at all. This seems like, um, like he's phoning it in because, you know, I'm like, I'm hearing like riffs that he did on previous records, just kind of put in there and mixed up a little bit. And it seemed like a very, like somebody just putting something together, just, you know, guitar for guitar's sake. Yeah. And I'm like, I, at that moment in time, it did not really speak to me. And I thought, you know, I don't like this record at all. And after Eddie Van Halen passed, I was very surprised to see, some people who, you know, I share musical tastes with that have great music taste, singling out that record as one of their favorite records, which just goes to show you one thing that's so cool about music is it speaks to people yeah. in different ways. And the other thing is like, music is like LSD. It's sometimes it's about set and setting. So yeah. it could have been the mood that I was in at the time. It just didn't speak to me, but I actually listened to that record. I'm thinking I had a picture of Eddie Van Halen listening to all of his reviews sticking guitar parts it's like what can i use i need something here let me grab that from this song let me grab that from the song and put it in there and i didn't like the record at all on that particular listen so it's really interesting to see i mean we're all different you know what I yeah. mean? we're all going to get different things from music and i'm there's people out there that that record spoke to and it's like their favorite record yeah so go figure 
that's what I think is interesting about it too, is just like you're saying, I've talked to so many people about Van Halen and they'll mention an album that I'm like, are you kidding? Like Diver Down or some weird album. And it's like, okay, that's your favorite. That's cool. Like you say, everybody's different. Everybody, the, one of the coolest things uh, that I experienced, my friend Mark and I went to the reunion show they did, what, I think 2015 or something like that. You know, it was with Roth. Uh, Wolfgang was on bass. But we had to go because he and I had seen the band when they first started. We saw them open for Sabbath here in Seattle, you know, when they were just wow. starting out. And it was insane. So, of course, we had to go to the reunion show. And it was it was mixed, you know, it was bittersweet because they're all old dudes up there. And, and David Lee Roth just looked like an old man kind of puttering around up on stage. But it was still it was still cool to see. But um, these people next to us had never seen the original lineup, right? They were younger than us and they'd, they'd probably seen the Hagar years and stuff like that. And, and so Mark and I were, you know, more than happy to like tell them all of our exploits from the seventies going to see the, the original lineup of the band. And they were just, they were just, um, you know, blown away and they were, they were, you know, they were happy to hear all our ridiculous stories about, you know, how we'd gone to see them in the, in the early days. So it was kind of neat to, to be next to these people who they were kind of psyched to see at least, a close facsimile of the original lineup, but uh, not quite, but it was kind of neat to see them. So excited to see that, you know, cause Mark and I had seen the original lineup and it was, it was cool, man. It was insane it, to see that lineup live. It was really cool. I, you know, if you talk to people that have kind of seen them, I never saw the Hagar years cause I, I just, I don't care for that year right. at all or the, or the totally unmentioned Gary Sharon years. But uh, that original lineup seeing that live was really cool in like LA and stuff when they were just getting started, just how many jaws must have hit the floor. Oh yeah. And you posted that link to that video of them at some like, what, the Hilton. What was it, like a dinner hotel, a hotel. Pasadena in Hilton, the Hilton hotel. Yeah. And that was really great for me to listen to because it's Van Halen doing a bunch of cover songs, you know, kind of an impromptu cover song set in a, in a hotel, everything that made that band incredible is fully in place and they're doing cover songs. And that for me is one of the most fascinating things is to see how a band approaches somebody else's songs. And you can separate the, the great bands from the, from, from the good cover bands, by the way, they take what the, the song, they take something from it, but they inject themselves and the result yeah. that comes out. And that, that was really cool. I, I fucking really enjoyed that because seeing what Eddie Van Halen would play on these classic songs and just like, it's amazing. And every bit of that band that made them superstars is in place at that time too. Like David Lee Ross, like showmanship with the crowd and, yeah. and just, but I loved listening to Eddie play stuff. Cause it wasn't all, you know, parlor tricks and whatnot. It was like, he was, he got inside those songs and he, you know, injected himself and what came out was, was pretty remarkable. And that's like, I mean, I've seen tons of cover bands and it's like, you'll see the bands that just go up there and they, they're great at aping stuff. And they're like, oh, they got that sound. He's like using chorus on this and he's got all that. Oh, he played that solo note for note. But then there's the, the great bands, you know, that take just enough to respect the song and then inject enough of themselves in there. So it's like, yeah, this is a world-class band. Yeah. And on that tape that you posted, that's, it was really fun to listen to. I'll post a link to that. on our. You sh- yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And that I, 
I really dig uh, cover bands that that just have their own twist on songs because it exactly there's really no point in trying to especially great songs like you know what are you going to do you have to try try to take a twist on it but it's so funny my friend sent me that video we're talking about um, Van Halen before they broke a cover band playing the Pasadena Hilton and I started the I started the recording and Eddie Van Halen is trying to tune his fucking guitar and it's so painful because he's <laughs> It's almost like he doesn't know how to tune his guitar. And it's, it seems like to, to go on and on and on. And then they start a song and it just sounds really rough. But as after, song after song, it starts to dial in and you're like, damn, like you said, Chris, you can hear like all, everything's in place. Like, and, and the cool thing about his playing is, like you said, he's not tapping and he's not doing all this shit. He's just playing really tasteful guitar, you know? And he said many times that like Clapton was one of his biggest influences, right? Which is love or hate Clapton, but you know, Clapton's a pretty understated player for the most part. So, right. and I think for the most part, he tried to serve songs. So you can really kind of hear that. I think in this early recording of Van Halen, you can kind of hear Eddie, you know, kind of respecting the guys he dug, you know, he's not trying to fill too much space and he's, he's trying to play tasteful, but it's still him and it's still um, unique. Yeah, so we got to post that. We'll post that um, video on our our site. But um, that's another thing I've dug about. Well, I mean, it's a bummer that he passed. But the thing that I've dug is that I've just read so many interviews, or seen so much, or heard so much audio that I never knew existed of this band, like from the early years, and or heard stories about like we were talking about Dance the Night Away. Well, I saw this interview with uh, Alex and Eddie, and they were, they didn't really care for that song. In, in Eddie's mind, it, it should have sounded different in the recording, but it sounded too pop to them. And early on in their, in their career, they were still, they were opening for Black Sabbath and they loved Black Sabbath because they were heavy and shit like that. And he said he was so embarrassed to do Dance the Night Away live so that he, they did it as fast as they could to get, get it done. <laughs> so, cause they didn't want to feel, you know, they thought maybe like Black Sabbath would go, oh, you p- pussies are doing that, you know, that pop right. shit or whatever, but it was pretty funny. No, it was great. It was a great song. I mean, it was poppy. I can see that. You know, it is, it, it is pretty like light compared to a lot of their other stuff. But I love it. I mean, it's very evocative. You know, it's it's infectious. Yeah, and than shit. So I don't have a problem with it. Oh, I do too. But I, it's just funny that you know their perception of their songs. It, it, that's what I think is so fascinating is to hear an artist talk about their own material and songs they like or hate or whatever that I never would have really thought about, you know, like that whole thing. It's like being in a band opening for this heavy band. And then you have some songs in your repertoire that you think are kind of lightweight or, right. or might be perceived as, you know what I mean? It's just kind of interesting to me to hear them talk about their own material that way. Another thing that's really important about that band that we haven't touched upon is how much Edward Van Halen brought to getting inside of your instrument like physically like i'm gonna take this guitar i'm gonna make my guitar because he was like one that was really into like pushing his gear to the limits and if his gear didn't do what he wanted he was into like getting in there and doing it himself and that you know i'm not really aware of very many places where that existed before he came out i mean he's probably responsible for all the aftermarket bodies and necks and things like that so he was huge for that whole movement of like, I need my, I'm going to customize my shit and he could back it up. I mean, he's, I mean, if he wants to put a humbucker in a, in a strat and, you know, 
if that's what he gets out of it, well, good for him. I mean, <laughs> I think that part, you know, I think that helped him get where he was going. You know, you could argue that, you know, he could have just played, you know, a Les Paul or, a, you know, a stock strat and he would have been incredible and he would have been. But I think as far as driving himself, I think him interacting with his instruments that way was very important to his results. I think you're, I think that's a great point, man. The thing is, he admittedly, he didn't know anything about it. He didn't know anything about electronics or anything else. He just said, well, he, I, I got this pickup. Exactly. And he bought, he bought that first body. It was a second. He didn't know what that meant. You know, what does it mean that it's a second? Does it, <laughs> he didn't mean that it was, you know, he didn't know that it was a less. Like, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but exactly. I, th- I thought that was such a cool thing about him too. And the whole Variac thing, right? Like hooking that Variac up to his amp to, to, to crank the shit out of it so he could, you know, get the, work the tubes like you would crank it, but still at, you know, reasonable volumes and stuff. I think you're absolutely right. I think that was another part of his personality that played into his playing and played into his inspiration and, and fueled him. And another cool thing about him is he had a really good friendship with Les Paul, who was another tinkerer and inventor. So right. he, he would say that he would tell, he said in an interview, like Les Paul would call him like at late at night and just say, what are you working on? And he goes, oh, I'm, I'm trying to put sandpaper on a pick because it, the picks keep falling out of my hand. He goes, oh, I'm doing the same thing. So they, <laughs> you know, he had this kinship with this Les Paul, this who was, you know, many years older than him, but they could relate to each other because they were both tinkerers and they both wanted to try to improve their stuff or change it or yeah. Right. So I thought that was really good, cool. That's a good point. I totally glossed over that when I was saying that there weren't many people, certainly Les Paul was one of those people very yeah. much the same. Like just, Give me my shit. This isn't working for me. So give me a hammer, a chisel, whatever I need. I'm going to get this. And as a result of interacting with their instruments and, you know, taking them further, it, it just added to their playing. I mean, just their creativity. Yeah. Just, you know, it was all part of that. I just thought that was such a cool thing when I, because like, I, you know, again, like I never saw pictures of them together or anything, but then all of a sudden I see this interview and he's talking about how he and Les Paul had this really great relationship. And, I just think that's so cool and, and it makes sense, right? For, for the reasons we just described, they're both tinkerers and they're both kind of inventors and yeah. And then Eddie went on to great like, guitar players. Totally. Yeah. Great guitar players for their own era. Um, one more thing before we wrap it up. Um, another thing that I found so cool and fascinating is, is hearing interviews with his son, Wolfgang, you know, he seems, he really seems like a genuinely good person. And I think that's a testament to, to, you know, his parents, you know, who knows how much of it is Eddie and who much, how much of it is his mom is probably, probably most his mom. But, um, I, but also I, I you know, it, it, in, in interviews and things like that, you can tell that Eddie totally loved that kid. I mean, he loved that kid. And right. so he, he was always pushing him to do his own stuff and he was blown away by his son's music and stuff. So, and really supportive of it. Um, so that was another cool thing to come out of this is, is just my understanding more about, Eddie as a father and how much he loved his son, how much he encouraged his son to, to play. Good dude. Good guitar player. Yep. So RIP Eddie Van Hamm. Totally, man. RIP Eddie. We love you. I'm always going to listen to those. Yeah. (laughs) Always going to listen to those two albums. And yeah, those, those, those early concerts are just, just embedded in my, my head, just uh, all this, you know, everything that was going on, but the day, you know, the whole day back then a concert was a day, you know, you'd go to the venue cause you had to wait in line 
there weren't reserved seats, you know? So it was, it was like, you know, it was like dazed and confused. You know, you'd run into all these people, right? Like the drug guy, the, you know, the woman that was passed out her purse, the contents of her purse are all over the sidewalk because she's wasted before the show starts. All that crazy stuff is just in my brain, right? Like it's crazy. All right, man. Well, thanks for listening, people. Go out and listen to some Van Halen, you know? R.I.P. Eddie. Bye.